Hello and welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis. I'm here with my brother, Jeremy Sartori. It is a Brother, Brother podcast. And today we are um, doing one of the things we do best, which is uh, missing a target date and still pretending like uh, it's uh, we're on time. So uh, we are talking about the 25th anniversary of Radiohead's epic, The Benz. Uh, turned out to 25 last month, but who's counting uh, and who could get out to celebrate really while we were all in lockdown? <laughs> yeah, we're definitely not counting or not counting correctly, that's for sure. Um, yeah, this was kind of a, a real turn and, and sort of laid the groundwork for what uh, is now probably widely considered one of the most important bands in the world, if not, uh, you know, definitely on the sort of underground indie avant-garde world, arty world, but um, but I think just in general, I mean, I think... Uh, just one of the biggest bands in the world, was, period. Yeah, I think it was kind of a, a real transfer. Um, this wasn't the actual transfer, but this was the, the groundwork of a transfer, you know, from bands like U2 and R.E.M. kind of owning that space to Radiohead um, becoming that space and, and from what was to come. But I think, you know, before we talk about the bands, let's talk about the album that neither you or I got into, but was a big hit, and that was 1993's Pablo Honey. So that was kind of the the height of grunge and, and Nirvana. I think Radiohead, who never really kind of sounded as um, like in tune with what was going on in England at the time. I think that was around probably like the post shoegaze, right before Britpop, right? No, it was right at the cusp of Britpop. I mean, you know, if you think Leisure by Blur came out in 91. Right, okay, sorry. So Um, it was right in the heart of Britpop then, it sounds like. Yeah, this is really, this comes out the same year. Pablo Honey comes out the same year as, like, definitely Maybe. Um, It comes out the same year as, you know, all these bands that are, uh, you know, going to make the big, massive splash. Oasis, that uh, is. Really in 95, which is the same year that The Benz comes out. Um, You know, they're all set, you know, setting the table for this. The Verve, Pulp. Um, with his and hers and um, you know everybody's album right before their massive album yeah um, Supergrass uh, I Should Coco is around this time and um, you know the funny thing is is that Radiohead I think in retrospect even though they didn't embrace like the Britpop thing seems so British and oh yet, definitely what they were trying to be, you know, what they were trying to do is sound American and also, you know, they were kind of being marketed as American. And, and, you know, as I read up on this, a uh, good friend of the podcast, Sean Slade's name comes up a fair amount because Coldery, Paul Coldery and, and Sean Slade, I think probably owing to, um, in fact, I know from talking to Sean, uh, owing to the, the way they could get giant guitar sounds onto a little tiny, uh, DAT uh, recordings. Uh, they were hired to produce Pablo Honey, and they, you know, sort of inadvertently produced a massive hit record. Um, I don't think anybody thought it was going to happen, and it kind of came out of nowhere. But um, you know, so they, they, um, you know, they went, you know, and Sean and Paul were famous for having, re- you know, recorded the likes of Dinosaur, Pixies, uh, you know, Lemonheads. Um, you know, all the sort of Buffalo Tom, all the uh, the Boston area bands and others um, out of their uh, Fort Apache studios in Boston in the late 80s, early 90s. 
And uh, I think everybody, I think everybody's MO at that point, every band in the world's MO at that point was make us sound like the Pixies. Uh, well, every British band, definitely. And I think, um, you know, obviously famously, well, I shouldn't say that because Nirvana's in utero too was uh, one of the big, big pieces for that was going and working with uh, Steve Albini and, and ma- trying to make it sound like the Pixies too. But going back to Radiohead, I mean, they that, that was a huge hit in, in the U.S. creep. Um, you and I were never big fans of Pablo Honey. The album didn't get tons of critical acclaim, but it was an album that definitely put them on the map and then everybody kind of forgot about Mm-hmm. Creep, was a, creep was inescapable I, I didn't like it um, I, I didn't like it, it either It's grown on me, you know However, you know, 20 plus years later But it's not, an, not a song that I liked at the time And still not, I think, you know Obviously Pablo Honey as a whole Is a very, you know, mediocre Radiohead album Compared to what they ended up putting out Post that, but, um, but I think, you know It's a song they famously kind of don't play live And things like that But it, it's also a band that completely changed course post that song, you know? Yeah. I think too, like, you know, one of the, I think the second episode or the third episode you and I, we ever did on this show was the sophomore surge. Yep. And I don't think any band, um, I don't think any band can, can stake a, a higher claim to a sophomore surge than Radiohead did between Pablo Honey and the Benz. I mean, there are comparable surges. I mean, I think Zeppelin to Zeppelin II, um, you know, a handful of others. But, you know, in terms of complete, or Nirvana to, to um, you know, from Bleach to... Nevermind. Um, Nevermind, Dinosaur from, um, you know, their debut to You're Living All Over Me. But if you think about it, it really was one of the most, sci- you know, sort of... Um, quantum leaps in the history of music, and everybody knew it. Yeah, um, well, I it think. Wasn't, sorry to interrupt. I think everybody knew no. it to an extent, but it was not a pot commercially successful record compared to Creep. So I think that it, this was an album that I think, like, when you heard it, because this album has a, a really kind of, I think, interesting history of being a, a word of mouth album that grew and grew and grew. And then all of a sudden, there really was a groundswell before OK Computer came out, but not because anyone heard these songs when they first came out, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, you know, I remember, I guess I remember MTV playing a, a, fair, playing a fair amount of uh, the videos, largely because the videos were so good. Yeah, um, the videos were great and memorable, but I think, you know, um, I, so this was the year that I went to, right around, I mean, I went to college this year, and uh, and I remember the reason I even, I literally didn't like Radiohead because of Pablo Honey, had forgotten kind of about them. Um, it was a big year for Britpop, and, and that the year Benz came out, so Blur and, and Oasis and the battle of kind of the, those two bands kind of taking shape and, and, and you know... Yeah, the purse fight of the for the ages. <laughs> exactly. And, um, yeah, right, the, the towel fight, the towel snapping fight. Um, but, uh, you know, Britpop in general tended to be kind of buoyant, fun, you know, um, or... Kinksy, Beatles Yeah, or beatle like the, you know, Oasis sound. And then um, Cheeky... And Radiohead's Benz is a, a pretty serious, um, you know, lyrically kind of ambitious and sound like really ambitious album. And the first time I ever heard about it being good was, um, a, you know, a show that completely was defunct. I couldn't even tell you the name of it. But I remember a group of when when music critics mattered, it was, you know, the Rolling Stone critic, Spin critic, uh, you know, Vibe or, or one of the hip hop magazine critics. 
um, all talking about the best albums of the year. And, and unanimously, the Benz was their favorite album. And I was like, what? You know, like the band that they creep. And then I heard Fake Plastic mm-hmm. Trees, which was played on like things like 120 Minutes. And it was probably a buzz cut for MTV, things like that. But it wasn't a big hit. Um, probably more popular in, in college radio here, I would think, than in England, um, this album was. But um, but it, it actually grew, like, I think with people around, you know, probably around our age, but kind of word of mouth. And people really kind of passed this album on. And anyone who kind of got into it really got into it. It's funny that one of the one of the major you know one of the things I know I saw when I was doing some research for this episode um, that I had completely forgotten about is they they two of the singles on this are on the Clueless soundtrack. Yes, and so uh, what I know one is which ones is it? Is it not the My Iron Lung. Okay, My Iron Lung. No, it's My Iron Lung, and I think Fake Plastic Trees are High and Dry. I can't remember which. Gotcha. I think you're right. Yeah. Two, like, amazing. Well, that's the other thing about this record. The first single, Fake Plastic Trees, huge departure, really, like, kind of Tom York. I think confidence-wise, where before Tom York was sort of rhyming, he always had a very strong voice and and definitely showed that off in Creep. But I think this was kind of the, the jump that he takes to songwriting and kind of being a persona in a way um, and kind of really owning the songs with his voice. A man of mystery. Yeah, because, I mean, you have some pretty straightforward, kicks off with pretty straightforward, I guess, alternative indie rock of the day, you know, with like the Benz and Planet Telex, the first song. But then the ballads on the song are, you know, I guess the more acoustic or slower songs, High and Dry, Fake Plastic Trees, which were the first two singles, are just really, you know, beautiful, uh, you know, sound Escapes, but also lyrically kind of uh, there, he captured that anxiety and that sort of depressive feeling that, that I think he does so well. Paranoia. Well, I think that, I think the thing that, that really sort of, uh, you know, a very simple, um, you know, sort of elemental piece of, of what made this album so different than the first one is the first one. They do have three guitar players in this band. They're all playing the same basic thing yeah um and then soloing or whatever you know this one they did take it they did really rip a page out of the pixies playbook and had two electric guitars and one acoustic guitar kind of full-time acoustic which was tom york and so it added like a, a depth um and a and a sort of uh texture to their songs that that didn't exist before that were when everybody was just trying to pump out you know loud music no, totally. And I think, too, you know, added more atmosphere, keyboards. It's not a, you know, mm-hmm. it's their most rock album, you could say. My, Pablo Honey mm-hmm. sort of gets mm-hmm. set aside. So I, I yeah. say that with, you know, the caveat yeah, let's just of... just kill that beast Exactly, right now. yeah. Let's just, so, um, but, you know, going forward, their most kind of rock-sounding album. But at the same time, you know, very much lays the groundwork, I think, of, of what's to come. And, and uh Let's hear a track real quick, real quick, and then we'll circle back on, you know, kind of the groundswell this album had and, and some of the, you know, singles and some of the, the videos and some of the things you're talking about earlier. Sure. Um, Want to hear Fake Plastic Trees? Of course I do. All right. Green plastic watering can For a fake Chinese rubber plant a fake plastic She bought from her 
Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Uh, we are talking Radiohead's The Bends, uh, something that I think we have probably collectively spoken about, uh, you know, for probably in the aggregate, maybe a full day of our life. Um, but what I was going to say is, uh, you know, this was this was at a time, you know, in terms of your and I um, aging up where you were out of you were graduating high school, I think, this year. And, you know, we're really sort of, you know, forging your own uh, opinions and and not, you know, and sort of feeding stuff to me. And one of the things I remember you telling me was, like, you've got to hear this Radiohead album. And it wasn't, you know, hot off the presses. It was well into its, you know, sort of settling in in its tenure. And I was like, um, no fucking way. <laughs> and... Then I remember getting in the car, I think, and you having it on, and I was like, what is this? And you were like, this is the Radiohead album I was talking about, and I was like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, I would I would say we both, you know, I definitely turned you on to it later in the game, and I wasn't an early adopter for the same reason you were, um, but it was an album that once you heard, it was like by far, you know, I could... I haven't gone and, and looked at all of the albums that came out that year, but that is, it's, you know, it's gotta be number one. It was or, a great year. Yeah. Number one through five, it's, it's there. Um, and this is another album too, that I think it was, it came out at a time, obviously pre-internet and, and, um, you know, pre sort of streaming by, by a long shot, but, but it was a big word of mouth album, as I mentioned. So, you know, I, I had heard the singles, I picked it up. I was actually in, in college. It was my freshman year of college. So, um, end of you know beginning of, of that short run and then, um, but it was an album that you know you sort of played all the time but people really uh kind of just as you did ask you like who is this or what is that and I, I think a lot of that is the strength on the singles of this so the whole album as, as a whole is a great start to finish record there's nothing taking away from it but the song the bends high and dry fake plastic trees which we just heard just in my iron lung um and then i believe bulletproof was also or sorry street spirit nice dreams and nice dreams and street spirit fade out all had videos and were were actually singles the the bends fake plastic trees just and high and dry being the you know most prevalent i think singles off that um list and the videos were you know Mind bending. Yeah, very, when videos still mattered at this time, but I mean, the video for Just, for instance, was probably one of the coolest videos I'd seen in, ever. And it was still, yeah, yeah, a gentleman lying down on the street in a suit, and 
people angrily walking by and, you know, you're reading subtitles of like, get up, you know, go to work or whatever. And it's just like, I'm not, not, not moving, leave me alone, you know? And by the end, you know, everybody's lying on the streets and, but with, you know, you also mentioned kind of that Johnny Greenwald, Wood, Wood, sorry, Greenwood, not Wald, um, really just kind of slaying it on this record too. So where you have, I mean, Tom York's a good guitar player, Greenwald's a good guitar player, but you had kind of those layers of acoustic and, and electric. But um, I think, too, this is a record that he very much, like, they kind of own together. This is the Keith and Mick record for sure. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. And it's the last time, you know, that they were really dedicated. I mean, they, they certainly have guitar anthems on OK Computer. I mean, yeah, and Rainbows. Android, I that's think one it, of the best ever. But they, this is the last guitar album they made. Definitely. This is the last album before they really started to kind of deconstruct. I mean, much like great bands, you know, do like, you know, Spoon, obviously, um, you know, Wilco, I think is a great example too. Being There came out in October of the next year, which is another kind of Ben's type album in their catalog where, you know, people weren't expecting yeah, they, that band to put out something like that. Nobody did was not ex- raise expectations yeah, with, their, with their debut. Not at all. And, and nor did, you know, aside from having a, a major hit, Radiohead really didn't, and then, um, you know, and then OK Computer kind of blew every, everybody away, and it, it's even tough for me to say this isn't my favorite Radiohead album, um, because it's it it's really tight for me, um, and I think anybody who heard this album first, OK, OK Computer obviously turned on millions more, but the, you know, the, the sort of legion of people that were dedicated to the Benz knew that OK Radio, OK Computer was going to be, was going to be great. Well, you know, the funny thing is I think much in keeping with our, you know, 400 million um, 10 best songs of all time, uh, this is this may not be your favorite Radiohead album, but it's your favorite Radiohead album every time it's on. Yeah, definitely. And <laughs> like I said, it's it's completely there with my, you know, it, if OK Computer wasn't such a masterpiece and, and going back and just how well that album's aged and, and kind of, um, you know, just turned into something that uh i think bigger than you know philosophically yeah. and, and mood wise um and not you know i'm not even talking about like covid or things like that i just that album kind of fits any time really um i think the bends would be you know it's like a you know 10 and, and 9.5 for me because um, yeah i think and i think most people would probably i think the consensus is that kid a is their best album right yeah and i think this is a band that at this time was building a lot of momentum Um, but we didn't know it. It was kind of this underground, you know, it's kind of quiet thing. And, you know, I mean, in England, I know for a fact that this album was definitely critically acclaimed, but not, I mean, Blur and Oasis were stealing all of the attention. I was there. I mean, it was, this was, you know, back to a a night where uh, our cousin Jonathan and I uh, went um, on a bender at the uh, local pub in Five Ashes in Sussex and um, literally played... Roll with it and Country House um, over and over and over again on the jukebox. Yeah. <laughs> uh, both great, two, amazing you know. songs. And, yeah, uh, and both, I think they came out the same day, and it was just, it might have been that day. Well, that's, yeah, and that's what I think was kind of neat about this record is because it brings in, you know, I mean, I think obviously p- there are some Pixies influences here for sure, and, and um, you know, definitely, uh, I think even like Pink Floyd or U2 or, you know, bigger kind of, this is a, a Hollow yeah, Honey anthems. didn't sound small, but it because it, it was you know well produced. But this was like a big 
big sounding record, you know, I mean, this was not, and I, I think that was always a huge difference in, in England where this type of music was, you know, kind of in the forefront in, in the U S all the bands we really loved were, were indie and sounded small because they had to be, <laughs> they had no money or no record backing them up. Um, but I think with this album, you know, you, you songs like Meyer and Lung and, and, uh, you know, uh, street spirit. Those are, you know, really interesting kind of meandering songs that, that have like huge, uh, arena sound to them. Um, and yeah. the bands, I mean, I saw Radiohead a couple of years ago off the, the, um, last album and Ben's was one of the encore songs and it's, it's a freaking ripping song, you know, and a great song. Yeah, it's team. great live. And that's one of the things too, is, I mean, and, and I, you know, we talk about Pablo honey and, and, you know, I mean, Sean and, Slade and Paul Coldery are great producers, and that's why that album sounds great. This one's where the songwriting arrived, and which is why it sounds, you know, great and is great. Yeah, um, I agree. There's two. I mean, we've mentioned you know the songs over and over again, but I, I don't think there's too many songs in their canon, minus maybe like Let Down or some other ones off some of the later albums. I'm, I'm a big In Rainbows fan as well, um, and they always have. You know, their albums are always good, and there's always it's always a. This was also the beginning of of finding uh, nuggets after repeated listens with them because mm-hmm. I think they're another band too that you know obviously I heard Fake Plastic Trees or Just First and, and got was like oh I, I need to get that album and would listen to those sort of non-stop but then you start to find kind of the other gems within there and I think this is one that they, they definitely um, have you have that experience with um, for sure and I think that's kind of how the album grew and sort of you know legendary status because like I said it was one that was just very much so exactly like our conversation and I remember that conversation going on a lot like have you heard Ben's like it's really good um and then you know yeah, I think it got a rebirth when okay computer came out and people went back to it too mm-hmm. I also think that you know you're talking about technologically you're talking about a period where you're still in the CD era because you know and I, I remember this year very you know, much I was the, CD. This is the height of the CD era yep and I'm, you know, I remember the album. I think, if I'm not mistaken, off the top of my head, this was the year that uh, Different Class, um, this album, uh, Jeff Buckley's album Grace. came out. I think it was a couple Grace. years before, but yeah, I mean, not too far off. And um, and Sunvolt Trace, I think, yep. came out this year as well. Um, so the, but it was those were all albums I listened to always start to finish because. You didn't want to jump up and, and hit eject and change the CD, you know, grab right. the CD wallet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it also because they're great albums start to finish. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and this is an album, I think, too, that you can pull songs off of and they sound good um, yeah. out of context of the album. But it is a start to finish great listen as well. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think just a, a kind of a, it just seems crazy that it was so long ago that it came out. And, you know, I think kind of kicked off. Christian was six when this came out. Yeah, it's wild. And kicked off a career that, you know, as we said, is, is, you know, really become the biggest indie rock career. I just saw them play BU Stadium, I guess, two years ago or a year and a half ago. And, and, you know, it was packed. But if they ever break out. But that's because they didn't want to play someplace bigger. Yeah, no, totally. And if they ever break out a song off of these albums, people just go ballistic. And they do often, you know. Yeah. I do remember, I mean, I, I would say top five concert for me of all time. Um, uh, again, there's probably 17 top five concerts that I've been to. But this one, I think, actually was, I think it was a legit top five, was uh, Radiohead 
and beta band at Suffolk Downs in Boston at the horse racing track in, in East Boston. And it was just such a shock for me because his band is so sullen and media shy and blah, blah, blah. Obviously they're not so media shy that they, that they don't, you know, haven't been very well promoted and very, uh, well positioned, but you know, I, I'm thinking, you know, coming out of shoegaze and, and everything else that these guys might not be the most dynamic performers. Holy shit. Was I wrong? Um, they were phenomenal and they were, they were introducing, you know, sort of video tech in the concerts that was as cutting edge as anything, I guess, you know, the sort of forerunners of, of, you know, the great concert spectacles like Pink Floyd or U2, you know, who are, you know, dumping serious cash into their, into their, uh, um, you know, technology and their presentation. These guys were right there, um, and that was 1997, I believe. Yeah, so that would have been OK Computer and probably getting yeah, a heavy okay dose of bands. Yeah. And it was another band, too, that I think, like, uh, you know, uh, and they sort of got compared to Wilco a bunch as, as Wilco and them sort of both became two of the, the kind of largest indie bands, both completely differently different sounding, but I think one very American and one very British, to your point. Um but for some reason, like Radiohead just really never had any issue once they kind of kicked it off of, of being very well liked in America. And I think it's the moodiness or something, you know, there's just, we tend to, in general, like um, the Britpop is just something that I think the sarcasm we lack or the, you know, kind of cleverness that American music is, is just not as, as, you know, maybe some good old country and stuff like that has that kind of kitschiness, but... Um, you know, it's like we were talking about the jam recently, how pop and soulful, soulful those songs are, but how serious and kind of dreadful the lyrics are um, and, and, and kind of exposing, uh, you know, the scabs of working Urban class blight, England. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think Radiohead likewise kind of hits a, a paranoia that <laughs> is fairly accessible to the American music world or something, you know, where, where you know, we yeah, have a big brother. Common. Yeah. Like, they've got more in common, you know, mood-wise with The Cure, frankly. Right, that's what I was going to say. Another band that actually did, always did really well here, too, you know? And Depeche Mode, a yep. stadium band that had no business being a stadium band. Right. No, totally. And it is. It's that kind of, like, uh, you know, dark... I think it's simple, dour messaging that just, you know, sort of, uh, you know, carry over from Morrissey and the Smiths is, you know, the sort of, you know, very uh, on-the-nose, you know, sort of dour... Um, bleak, anxious, um, you know, just playing to people's fears and concerns. And, and that plays somehow that plays stadiums uh, in this hemisphere. It does. And well, it also too was the dawning of internet and of things that were like changing. I think they're a band that also kind of in Ben's especially, um, you know, sounded very modern at the time, like taking rock music into a, a more modern direction. Yes. Occasionally, I think there's a few bands that do that. I'm sure Pink Floyd sounded the same at the time. You know, you and I are not big Pink Floyd fans, but I get why people are kind of blown away by them at the same time and probably definitely were in 1972. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was driving around uh, northern Maine the other day and, you know, it's where you get two radio stations and whatever the uh, Pink Floyd "Dirty Woman," I think, or whatever song it is, where the where the phone starts ringing in the middle of the yeah <laughs> um, song with the you know 
call from the United States. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so fun. This must have sounded so insane back then. Um, you know, it's just commonplace now. Yeah. Actually, you know, it sounds very antiquated. It's like watching somebody dial a rotary phone in right. a movie. It's like watching a movie when they have a flip phone, and you're like, oh, my God. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry. I went rotary phone. Yeah, you went, you went a decade after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, well, I mean, I think, you know, we don't need to pontificate forever on this one. If there's anything else you want to add, I, I still think, you know, if I had to rank the Radiohead albums, it's top two for me and, and uh, you know, sometimes creeps into, into, the, into the number one spot. It's definitely my intro to them. I think a lot of people's intro to them, but it, it's, it's one of those things with, the, with this band. I think some people might have the tendency to go back and be like, yeah, they, they, you know, they don't play guitars anymore or whatever. And this band has sort of really evolved and morphed into a lot of different things. But I think this was a uh, not quite the OK Computer cross section that would be you know come up next, but it, it's pretty damn close, and and you do get a real um, spectrum of of what they are about to do, and and they nail it on this one for sure. Yeah, I would say we reluctantly walked into what became one of um, both of our favorite albums of all time. Definitely, and and the huge sophomore surge. It's it's always like such a pleasant surprise ever. yeah no definitely I, I still have never listened to all of Pablo Honey and I have no desire to and it's I just not that good I was about that's in my notes actually it's so funny I, I, I was I wrote down I've never actually listened to Pablo Honey um, I haven't either it's, it's, funny to finish. It's, it's one of those ones like I just you know I don't think I need to um, yeah. and I still don't it's really love like Creep it's got enough rope by the clash it just it just lives in the in the uh, discount bin at Harmony Hut <laughs> yeah exactly Scotty's records um, well, cool. Let's, uh, you want to put on just, and then, uh, end this thing yes, that we I always do. do. All right, cool. back to the brother 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 podcast we are going to end this thing the way we end every episode um we're gonna say a happy 25th birthday to uh the bends and uh we are going to actually jared what are you listening to oh man so what am i listening to um you know i just been i spent a little time in my car uh which seems like absolutely wild freedom these days i'm still in, in being in quarantine and I uh, ended up throwing on um, just a couple mixes and then listening to a couple albums um, start to finish. And, and a couple of them were, uh, I did Tusk by Fleetwood Mac. I did, um, you know, on your recommendation, Sound Effects by The Jam, which I, I, I then went and ordered on vinyl. Um, 
And then I also just kind of listened to some random mixes of just songs that I'd kind of sent people that I sometimes just compile into a playlist, which is always kind of fun as well. Um, and you get kind of a, a crazy, crazy, uh, you know, random mix, everything from like Run DMC to, you know, some hardcore or Husker Du. Um, that's the other thing too, is I did throw on, um, flip your wig. And I guess a lot of that was, it'll kind of go to the, the songs that I'm going to put on the playlist, but I might as well kind of talk about it. I ended up over the last few weeks and there's been a couple of things written about it. I had a, a friend of mine when I lived in Austin who passed away, the former drummer of Ockerville river, Travis Nelson, not going to say that I was best friends with Travis by any means, but did spend quite a bit of time with him, um, when he first moved to Austin and forged a friendship and would go see Ockerville play whenever they were in Chicago uh, when he played with that band. So I ended up, um, due to just kind of a lot of the, the writings and the things online, um, one good sort of summary piece that you sent me actually was, and I don't have this blog, but it's the aquarium drunkard.com mm-hmm. um, did it, you know, when a drummer falls during pandemic, does he make noise and travels? Travis Nelson does. And it was a lot of great, you know, kind of guys from Centromatic and uh, Charles Bissell from the Wrens, the guys from Ockerville river, uh, you know, drummer for the national, like, you know, just a lot of bands talking about uh, what an impact he had. And he was with a couple other bands. He played with swearing at motorists at times. And then also his band with his brother, Quencher and cool hand band who had a brief signing with Epic, but a guy that kind of brought a lot to Ockerville. So I, I did go back and listen to, um, Black Sheep Boy and that kind of run of albums that they had that he played on um, stage names and um, the stand-ins, which I think are really good. And I think that, uh, you know, I think they're great albums, great songwriting, but I think Travis really brought kind of an energy and a new sound to that band. Um, in addition to that, there's a playlist that those folks put up, um, which is, uh, I think, aptly titled and something we would definitely, definitely, uh, you know, uh, title a playlist, which is, you know, we have to hear this song right now. And so there's a lot of stuff on that, that, you know, I went to a lot of shows with them, but kind of brought me back to that Austin in those days too. So bands like grand champion and, and, uh, the crack pipes and, and bands that we saw live. Centromatic. A, yeah. Centromatic from, uh, that we saw a ton back then. And, uh, you know, went to a lot of shows with him. So I kind of been hooked on that playlist and then kind of spinning off of it. So getting into like old Husker Du records. And he was a guy that they mentioned quite a bit in that, that um, blog, but just somebody, the first person that I met that sort of unabashedly didn't uh, use music as a badge of coolness, because maybe because he was from Wisconsin, <laughs> but um, <laughs> and I was from the East Coast, but I, you know, I always was very aware of my record collection versus your record collection, and he's the first guy who, like, you know, loved Molly Crew and Cheap Trick as much as, you know, Sonic Youth and Archers of Loaf, and, and, uh, um, and, you know, amongst other kind of things that just didn't kind of blend back then, which sounds weird today, as in, all the hipsters have kind of blended at all, rightfully so. But back then it was a little bit, uh, there was some standoffishness around loving uh, classic rock and indie rock. So been listening to that and then just finally finishing up Ozark. So getting into season three, which has really started off well. I had a run there of just not being able to get through season two, not because it was bad, just, you know. I think, uh, drinking myself to sleep or falling asleep or, or, you know, all of the above and, uh, jumped into season three and enjoying that. So how about you? When I know you've been up in the, the white woods of Maine and, and actually looking at the snow covered, you know, mountains right now, what have you been yeah, uh, devouring up there? <laughs> April 27th and we got six or eight inches of snow last night. Nice. Uh, I could tell you more definitively if I had walked out of my house today. Um, but uh, we are, you know, and we are 
you know, full on television dependent at this point. So I have seen your, your television as an IV drip going. Absolutely. Pretty much. Um, so I, you know, I highly recommend, um, a couple of things I've been watching. I, I'm enjoying the Jordan doc. Um, I have tuned I will, into that will, too, by the way. I will yeah. say that, uh, you know, it's, it's nowhere near the level of greatness that something like OJ made in America is. It's, no. it is very good and very fun to watch. Um, I really am enjoying Mrs. America, uh, the Hulu show about the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment, in the early 70s um, with Kate Blanchett as Phyllis Schlafly, um, kind of a, uh, you know, Murderer's Row cast. Uh, Rose Byrne plays Gloria Steinem. Tracy Ullman plays uh, Betty Friedan. Oh, nice. Uh, Margot Martindale. Uh, it's a good, it's, and... Uh, um, you know, a couple of my favorite actresses that are, you know, sort of gone deep cover like Melanie Linsky. Um, and, uh, I really am enjoying that a lot. Um, that said, I also watched an HBO, new HBO movie the other day called Bad Education, which is, um, you know, one of my favorite, you know, one of my favorite sort of subgenres of movie, which is, uh, low stakes crime um low stakes white collar crime it's about a uh, very popular school superintendent in Roslyn Long Island um who gets done for uh embezzlement and and sort of supporting a lifestyle and it was of note particularly because it was exposed by a student uh, journalist. So basically, <laughs> his scheme it was, was, so it was obvious, that complex. But, huh? but an eleventh grader picked it up, but nobody at Newsday or anybody else uh, was paying any attention. So pretty funny, um, very kind of dark uh, and humorous. Hugh, Hugh Jackman um, and Allison Janney both uh, very funny in it. And, cool, I'll um, take yeah. Um, other than that. I've been listening to the voices in my head uh, during <laughs> quarantine. So, um, you want to put a song on the uh, top ten? Yeah, why don't you go for it? You can go first. I actually, uh, I'm going in the wayback machine, and um, I was kind of wanting to pull this one out when uh, Christian was on because I wanted to have him pretend that he knew what I was talking about, even though he doesn't. Um, <laughs> it is Ichiku Park by Small Faces. Oh, nice, cool. Um, that's a great one. I'm actually going to go back to, and I'm going to throw two on, uh, just cause I'm going to, and, uh, I, um, normally don't, don't make such a, a bold statement, but I, I think, like I said, I've been listening to that mix a lot and I'm going to grab two off of it. And so one is, uh, what makes you think you're the one, the, uh, Fleetwood Mac song off of Tusk. That's a great kind of rocking song. And, and Fleetwood Mac, um, sorry, Mac is the who was the drummer was it uh, Mick Fleetwood Mick Fleetwood yeah yeah so I mean this is a crazily I mean Tusk is a beautiful mess at times and, and sometimes just a mess but this is one of the gems on there and it's such a weirdly mixed song I mean you almost sound like the drums and the vocals that Lindsey Buckingham are, are belting out are trying to like compete against each other which they probably were uh, very high on cocaine yeah <laughs> um, and then the other one is a, a older Ted Leo and the pharmacist song uh, Timorous Me off of um <laughs> Tyranny of Distance, which is a song that I never really kind of was one of my tops, but I've grown to really love it, and I always loved yeah, it live, me. and it's a song that I, uh, t- 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 whenever I hear me. it, just makes me happy. Yeah. Well, good. One for you and one for Travis. Exactly. Pour one out for the homies. Um, but, uh, and that, 
said, I know we'll be back. We're going to do some more late birthday uh, pods for anniversaries because we can't oh, yeah, quite we're, figure we're, out we're gonna... math or days. <laughs> so <laughs> they yeah, all blend are, together uh, now. Um, and happy birthday to your daughter. Uh, well, thank you. All right. Well, um, and our sister, Lisa. Yes. All right. So um, we'll talk soon. Thanks. See ya. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.